Good morning. Um, it is very, very nice to be with you, and what a beautiful place to be gathered in the name of the Lord. Um, for the past two years, I was, well, for the past nine years, I was in the UK, and for a lot of that, we were completely shut down for COVID, and so December was the first time that I was gathered together with humans in church for two years, and so I am still very overcome by how, what an incredible gift it is to be able to gather together with other believers. Um, for almost 20 years, whenever I have been asked what I was passionate about, I have consistently said Muslim women. And I have meant that with every fiber of my being. And I've been overseas for almost 17 years now, and at no point has that actually been the work before me. Um, even when I lived in a place where I was completely surrounded by Muslim women. In the spring of 2005, when I was obviously an infant, um, I moved to North Africa <laughs> to work with the Jordan family. It was also a very specific answer to prayer for me. Um, we were doing a very specific job, and um, which I would imagine that they have told you about at some point, or if you, they haven't, then they will, if you ask them. Um, we traveled a lot, and the bulk of our time and our effort was spent investing in American college students. And we did that um, for several months at a time to different groups. And I had spent several years really praying to be able to live in that particular country, so I was very, very excited to be there, but I was also deeply conflicted in my spirit. Because all around me, I could see people with broken hearts, with no hope, and incredible needs that I could not meet. Um, partially because I didn't have the skills at the time. I didn't have the vision at the time. And partially because that wasn't what I was there to do. Um, as the pandemic started to shut everything down, I realized really quickly that what I was doing in the UK for the past nine years was winding down. I had been the chaplain to international students for a couple of universities, and lots of people were now invested in these students. When I first moved there, nobody was doing that. And so it was a thing that only Anna could do. I moved there with the experience of having lived in Africa, having lived in Asia, being from the US, really understanding European culture as well, and I felt uniquely qualified for that job. And now, almost every church in the city I was in, in Leeds, England, um, almost every church has a concerted effort to reach out to international students. And praise God for that. Um, I am not precious. I am not the only one who can do these things, and I am so glad that lots and lots of other people are doing this now. But what that means is that that's not just the thing that only Anna can do anymore. So I asked the Lord, what do you want? I'm sitting at home, alone, in a pandemic, trying to get international students to engage on Zoom, which they don't want to do, because they're Zooming their classes all day long. Um, they're tired, they're frustrated, um, and so was I. And so I asked the Lord, what is it that you have for me? Um, very quickly, the Lord reminded me of the work that only Anna could do, and that was back in North Africa, um, and invest in Muslim women this time, for real. Um, I still speak Arabic. I still have relationships there that I have invested in since I lived there. And he was really stirring something in my heart that I am absolutely certain will be the hardest and best thing of my entire life. 
he has put into my heart to open a community center for women. Um, Arab culture is really, really generous with men and not so generous with women. It's very hard to be a woman. Even though it's um, where I am living is much more progressive than the Middle East, you don't see people roll out their prayer mat when they hear the call to prayer. Most of the time you don't even notice, and after a while you stop hearing it altogether. But <clears throat> I, there are tons and tons of reasons why these women might not feel safe or why they might not have the security that they need for their life, why some of their physical needs aren't being met. Um, and I want to help these women. Um, a lot of them just need a space, a, pri a safe space to get out of their house. Um, for many women, the only time that they're ever out of their house is to walk their kids to school or to go to the public bath, um, which is one of my favorite things to do, I have to say. Um, they are expected to work tirelessly from before sunrise until everyone is in bed. And I want to help these women that have no support network and who have been put out by their families, perhaps because of something that they did um, that's deemed shameful, or like a divorce. <clears throat> Maybe their husband divorced them against their will. Maybe they lost their job. Maybe they're disabled. And in a lot of the world, disabilities are seen as shameful, seen as like a scourge on the family. Um, in a lot of the world, people with disabilities are completely put out of their families and live on the street. Maybe they can't bear children. Whatever the reason, there are many, many, many broken-hearted women, and I want to serve them, and I believe that the Lord has put me there to do that. And I can do that because of the love of Jesus. And obviously, when the time and the circumstances are right, they will know why I can do that. Um, God's also put on my heart to open a cafe that will provide secure and stable employment for local women. Um, where they can run a cafe by women and for women that will really make them feel a part of the community that they live in. Um, <clears throat> the cafe will ultimately fund the community center, God willing, um, and maybe someday also be able to fund other activities in the community that are geared toward women. The government is really excited about projects geared toward women, whether they actually care about women or they just want to look like they care about women. Regardless, they are very interested in investing in this kind of project at the moment. So um, everyone I've spoken to about it has said it's a wonderful idea. And it's a huge undertaking. And I am one person. So I am praying for people to join me in all the ways, <laughs> prayerfully, financially, and also to move and live in my city and work with me. Um, so I'm going to ask you to pray for those things as well. Um, we don't know each other. My name's Anna. It's very simple. It has four letters. Two of them are the same. Um, it's a palindrome. It's really thrilling. Um, and I am from Richardson, Texas. Just on the other side, guys. Um, and until I have a team on the ground, I'm waiting. And it got me thinking a lot about waiting. And the last few Sundays, and in several podcasts, and in actual scripture texted to me by friends, the same phrase has been repeated over and over and over again. And I don't know about you guys, but the Lord does not often speak directly to me in an audible voice. I don't know if anyone has experienced that. I personally have not, and I've walked with the Lord a very long time. But he sure does use people. <laughs> and he sure does use his word to speak to, to us, does he not? So here we are. <laughs> 
Um, I want to preface this by saying that I am not an evangelist. I am not a preacher. I'm not a biblical scholar. I'm a girl who believes. I believe God. I believe in him, of course. I believe he exists. But I also believe in my heart of hearts that he is exactly who he says he is. So we're going to look at his word this morning. We're going to look at his promises. I'm going to tell you some stories, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to teach us what it means to wait for the Lord, to be part of what he is doing in the waiting. Um, So let's pray. Lord, you are good. You're good. Come and speak to us. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here whether we recognize you or not. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see. Teach us. May the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. All of this is for you or it's for nothing, Jesus. We love you and we give you this time and we ask you to change us. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So I would imagine that most of us have heard the phrase, wait on the Lord. Can you raise your hand if you've heard this phrase before? Mm -hmm. And if you Google it, you will actually find millions of hits and articles on what it means to wait on the Lord. But as I started really digging, I noticed something right off the bat. And that is that the vast majority of the scripture actually says, wait for the Lord, not wait on him. Does it matter? Um, When I am waiting on on something, it tends to be a negative thing, right? Um, We're waiting for our friend to arrive who is late. We're waiting on the sheets to finish drying so we can make our bed because it's 10.30 and we forgot. We're waiting on the oil change to be done or our kids to come out, and it's usually kind of annoying and it's kind of wasted time. It's time we could be better spending somewhere else. Um, But when we wait for something... We're excited, we're expectant, we're hopeful, and that is a different thing entirely. Um, The 27th Psalm says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord, and it has an exclamation point. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I don't spend a lot of time thinking about biblical punctuation. Um, I have read the Bible through the last few years, and not once did I stop to think about the punctuation until this week, and it made me crazy that I had never noticed the excitement in this passage. Wait for the Lord! It's an exclamation point. It's exciting. It's something great to do, not something that is frustrating to do, and yet we feel frustrated when the Lord asks us to wait, or when we feel like we're waiting and we haven't heard from him or we've done a thing, or we want to do a thing, and it's not yet time. But it's very good news. (laughs) Waiting for the Lord is exciting because he is awesome. And it's not just a song by Rich Mullins. He is awesome, guys. He is incredible, and he is excellent, and whatever he has for us is a million times better than what we could ever dream for ourselves. Has anyone experienced that? Yeah. Yeah. And this says, I 
believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, not just in eternity. The land of the living is now. We can have him now. I can see evidence of the Lord's goodness. I can see his hand at work and I can feel his presence now, today. I don't have to wait for paradise. I don't have to wait for eternity. I get him now. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, the guy next to him, what did he say? Today, it's now. It's immediate. That guy didn't know until the end of his life. His was a physical today, you will be with me in paradise. And ours is a spiritual one. The second that we believe, we can be with him forever. We do not have to wait in the physical sense to be with him. I don't have to wait for some far off thing. I can be on mission with him today in the place where I am now, in Viridian or wherever you live, Richardson, Plano. Um, that's where I live. Um, <clears throat> Wherever it is that you are, you can be where the Lord wants you to be. You can be on mission with him because he is doing a thing where you are. 100% he is doing a thing. Even if you do not see it, even if you've never thought about it, even if you, you're, you don't believe it's true, he is doing a thing. So if I can have him now, then what does it mean to wait for him? What am I waiting for exactly? Maybe his timing, the fulfillment of his promises, the fullness of his purposes, more of his presence, being with him forever. Part of our struggle with waiting is that God is an everlasting God. In the New Testament, Jesus healed and met people's needs immediately. Mark is very fond of the word immediately. Um, We love that about Jesus. Everything he did was immediate. This is a guy who thinks about water jugs and they become wine immediately. This is a guy who touches people and immediately they are healed or blesses some fish and bread and immediately feeds thousands of people. But God is outside of time and that is very challenging for us. If he isn't doing it now and we have to wait for it, we don't like it. We may theoretically be okay with the whole like, oh, it's God's timing. Oh, that's, that's the perfect one, right? Blah, blah, blah. But we don't often wait well. A very classic scripture on waiting on the Lord is found in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. And it says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Why do we need all these things? If waiting for the Lord was easy, we would not need these things. We are ill-equipped to wait. But he gives us his power when we are faint because of his incredible love for us. He does not have to give us these things. He has to be good. He has to be just. He has to be merciful. But he does not have to be kind. And he is kind in his kindness, in his great, incredible love for us. He gives us everything we need. When I am weak, then he is strong. He is the strongest when I am the weakest. His power is made perfect in my weakness. If that is not hope for us all, then I don't know what is. So what are we supposed to do while we're waiting? Um, For me, At the moment, I'm literally waiting on the airport to open so that I can go back home. I am expectant. 
about the government making the right decision tomorrow. But I can be expectant of the Lord while I wait for him. And the way that I can be expectant, the the thing that will give me that expectation is my history with him. Never once has the Lord failed me. My circumstances have failed me. People have failed me plenty. I have failed myself, but the Lord has never failed me. And so if I am waiting for him, I know that whatever is coming is good. Because no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. It's better to be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Psalm 84 um, and a song, very popular song in the 90s. So we have to cling to the promises we know, right? The things that we know about the Lord. Because a promise is only as good as the integrity or authority of the one making it, right? Lots of people in this life will promise us things. And we know real fast who we do not trust, right? Sometimes we trust the wrong people and it blows up in our face. But there are people, I'm certain, in each of our lives that we know that guy cannot be trusted. We change car dealerships or we go to a different place, or our neighbor can't be trusted. People will often fail us, but the Lord does not. And when we think about the promises of God, we know that these are really good promises. Our promises are made to us by the creator of the actual universe, guys. The entire universe. He is the owner of the earth. He is the owner of the earth. Can he be trusted? Yes. Yes, he can. And if we have a history of being with him, of walking with him, of reading his word, of seeing him in action around us, paying attention, then we will believe it when he makes promises. And scripture is full of his promises. He will not leave us or forsake us. Deuteronomy 31 says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn, promised, to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Over and over again, he is going with you. He will never forsake you, ever, ever. So we trust him. And we take courage in waiting for him. Psalm 27, again, says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. It is a gift to be able to wait for the Lord with expectation, to wait for him with trust, to wait for him full of of excitement over the promises that he has made in his word. Even if we don't know what they are today, even if we can't remember them, they're there. Even if we don't know what that means for our current situation, it doesn't change who he is. I'm so thankful that absolutely nothing can change who God is because our world is a mess. It is a mess. And there are things that are good, certainly. And there is plenty to be upset about. 
And we cannot count on what our neighbors will do or what our country will do or what our friends will do or our family members, but we can count on God because he does not ever go back on his promises. He can't. He is actually incapable. That's the kind of friend I want. I think that most of us are not waiting for the Lord. We are waiting for that big promotion. Or we're waiting for our children to get to high school and then real life can begin. Or we're waiting for our circumstances to be just right like Goldilocks and then we will do what he's asking of us. Then we will be more committed to him. Then we will believe him. Whatever he says. It's not a situation of if you are Lord, because he is. This is a situation of if we will. If we will trust him. If we will put our hope in him. If we will wait for him. And maybe we're just waiting. Maybe we're just holding back because we don't trust him. Or we don't believe him. Maybe we don't trust him because we don't know him. Um, because if we did know him, we'd have to believe him. We would know that he is good and he is true to his word. And we would know because absolutely every other time in our lives, he has come through. From small things to big things. We would know that our history with him is littered with stories of his goodness and faithfulness throughout all the generations. When I was in Kenya in 1998, um, I had been there for a month and we had been attending revival services every evening and they were very lively and they were very exciting and they lasted many hours and they were all done in a language that I did not know. And it was beautiful to see the way the Lord was moving. People were responding to the call to, to put their trust in Jesus. And I knew that all was happening, but I am a worship person and I needed just some space to breathe. And I was made some very specific promises and I had some very large expectations about what Africa was also going to be like. Because I grew up in Dallas and there are no stars except on a cowboy's sweatshirt. And there are, it's just not dark enough. If you have property outside of town, you can see the stars. But I grew up thinking there were like four stars in the sky. But Africa? That's where the stars are. I was really excited to go to Africa for the stars. But we went in the rainy season and it was cloudy every single night to this point. And I was like, look, Lord, I do love you very much. I am very tired. I am very tired of the pace we are keeping. I am very tired of sleeping on a mattress on the floor, and I am incredibly tired of not understanding anything that is happening. I just need some stars, man. And so I made the very questionable decision to walk outside into a cornfield, and I was just standing there by myself, and I was like, Lord, come on, where are the freaking stars? And I kid you not, The clouds parted, and the sky was deep black. And there were one trillion stars in this one little space above my head. And I couldn't stop crying. And a song came into my head. It's Dennis Jernigan, y'all. It was the 90s. 
Um, and it says, I see the stars that you have made. I know you call them each by name. To think Father God whom heaven displays is thinking of me in intimate ways. I stand amazed in all of your glory that you would die for me. I stand amazed. I stand amazed at all of your glory, true love's sweetest story. I stand amazed. And as soon as I finished singing that song, y'all, I kid you not, the clouds went right back together. Maybe I dreamed it. Nobody else was there. But it was exactly what I needed in that moment. And the Lord was thinking of me in an intimate way. And the same Lord that did that for me was thinking of you when he put the stars in the sky in the first place. He knows how many hairs are on our head or our arm, whichever has more. (laughs) He knows us so well. And he loves us so much and he wants to be with us. Even the little things matter to him. But what if we wait and we pray and we don't get what we wanted? My dad died in September. That's why I'm in Texas. He died. And he was in the hospital and thousands of people were praying for him and he loved the Lord so much. And he died. And we kept waiting for the Lord to heal him because that's what we wanted. And that's what was best for us. (laughs) But my dad, He got healed. He is now in a body that's not sick. I am still brokenhearted that I lost my dad. But I'm also really jealous of him (laughs) because he is with Jesus. And the reality is I can be with Jesus today. I am with Jesus now. If I believe his word, then I am with him now. And no matter where I go in the entire world, he will be with me. He promised it over and over again in his word. He didn't promise us that we would live forever. He promised us that we would get him. He promised us himself. He promised us he would never leave us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. So I challenge you to think of a time when the Lord was not faithful. Can you think of a time when your plan was better than his? His ways are higher and they're better and he is the owner of the whole earth. It is his and everything in it. So I wonder, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for him to write in skywriting what he wants you to do? Are you waiting until you have mastered the Bible or gotten all the degrees? Are you waiting until you're married? Are you waiting until you have a family? Are you waiting until your family's out of your house? Or you've saved the right amount of money? Or are you waiting for the Lord? If you wait for the Lord with expectant hope and belief that he will accomplish his purposes in you, you will mount on wings like eagles. My dad was obsessed with eagles. You will walk and not grow faint and he will be with you wherever you go. One of the reasons I think many of us are waiting is because we think we're not good enough. We think we don't have the skills to even have the conversation with our sister that isn't a Christian. We think we don't have the training or we think we'll never be as good as so-and-so 
at doing that thing, the elusive thing. But it's a lie. The Lord will give us absolutely everything we need that he has called us to do. And if a white suburban Dallasite can move to Arab North Africa and speak a different language and feel completely, perfectly at home there, then I submit that the Lord can actually do anything. If you had asked me when I was a kid or even in college what I was going to do with my life, in a trillion years I would never have said this. I didn't think I was, it wouldn't have occurred to me. But what has happened since I said yes has been beyond my wildest dreams. And there has never been one second of it when the Lord was not with me. I want to actually read a passage from Isaiah, the whole thing, um, not the whole chapter, um, just a little bit more than the one verse that's so popular. Have you not known? Have you not heard? He's like, you guys, come on. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint. He doesn't grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even young people will faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but those who wait for the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. And it is because they are united with him. They are united with him together. So what if we just trust him? Like if we just truly, deeply trust him, like what would be different about our lives if we just actually trusted him? And I feel like that's a question you might want to sit down with this week and ask yourself or ask your spouse. What would our lives look like if we are, are our lives testimonies to how much we believe the Lord? Jesus' last words on earth were to go and make disciples. He didn't say invite people to church. He didn't say you guys are going to build some really great buildings. Um, Open up the doors and let everyone come in. He said go. And it's the last thing he said, so I choose to believe that it is an incredibly important thing. That go for me was across an ocean. And maybe your go is completely different, probably. But whatever your go is, it is specific and it is significant and it is your work to do in the world. And I can't do it for you. And your neighbors can't do it for you and this church can't do it for you. You have to do it. It's vital that you do it. You were created to do it, whatever your go is. And maybe your go is to walk across the street and have that really difficult conversation with your neighbor. Maybe your go is to move to another city or take that job that you've been putting off. Or maybe your go is to move overseas and tell people about Jesus. I I don't know. Because he didn't tell me your thing. He told me my thing. It's vital that you do it and it will cost you. It might cost you relationships. 
it will certainly cost you some comfort, and maybe it will cost you life as you know it. But I assure you that whatever it costs you, it will be worth it. I promise you that whatever he is calling you to do, it's going to cost you something, and he is worth it. He is worth every tear. He is worth every hour spent in prayer. He is worth every single bit, and I will stake my life on him, on Jesus. I will stake my whole life on him because there is nothing else on earth that is worth it but him. And I will sing of the goodness of God in the land of the living. I don't know if you know the song, I will sing of the goodness of God, but it, it says, All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. At every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. He is so good. We just don't deserve him at all. But he is so good. And he is calling you to something. Maybe you're already doing it, and that is awesome. I'm not trying to say nobody's doing the thing. Um, But my guess is that there are some people in here that even right now are feeling a little uncomfortable because something is in your heart. Maybe you've thought about it a lot and made the active choice to not do it. Or maybe it just never occurred to you that, oh my gosh, that is my mission field. That is the thing the Lord is calling me to do. Wouldn't that be incredible? But I promise, if you ask him, he will tell you. If you gather your friends together and pray, he will change your life. He will wreck you in the best possible way. And it will be worth it. It will be so worth it. Did I expect to be at this point place in my life at this age, still not married, living in a foreign land by myself? No, but I'm not by myself because the Lord is with me and the Lord is with you. And whatever your go is, go after it with your whole heart. And I promise you, you will experience the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you are so good. Thank you that our lives, if we truly think about all the ways that you have moved in our hearts and our lives, thank you that our lives scream of your goodness. Even when our circumstances have been difficult, even when we haven't known the way, We can see your hand in all of it if we look hard enough. Thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you that we can trust you. Thank you that we do not have to wonder if you are going to be on our side. Your word says that if you are for us, then who could be against us? The actual owner and creator of the universe is on our side. And he goes with us. Thank you, Lord. We stake our lives on you, Jesus. We believe you. We do not deserve you one bit, but we are so thankful for you. Will you come?
and meet us wherever we are in our lives and will you show us how to go, how to get up. We wait for you, Lord. We wait with expectation and hope for what you are going to do as we say yes to you. You can do incredible things with a life that is surrendered. So we pray that we would be a people who surrender. And we will show all of the evidence of who you have been in our lives. We will shout from the rooftops who you are to us, Lord. Fill us with your spirit for your kingdom's sake, we pray. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who is mighty and powerful to save.